we all need somebody to speak with us, for us, stand by us. Because we all know sometimes it's not even what you've been through that hurts the most. It's people standing by and not saying anything. Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to IPU, Immigrants Pursuit of Women Zero, King Around the World for Happiness, a show that shares inspiring stories of immigrants who found and found their passion. It's your boy Josh and your girl. Jay Tessie, what's going on? Not much. I'm out here, you know, living uh, life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, looking I'm fresh. I'll see your haircut. See you out you here know, in the I'm streets. Trying. I'm trying, I'm trying. I went in the streets, time out. Oh. <laughs> I'm not in nobody's street. What you been up Why to are you up? getting all defensive? It's all good. Oh, okay, wow. All right. <laughs> I'm not defensive. <laughs> but yo, so I was um I was at work today. Well, I wasn't at work. I don't I was somewhere and I was listening to Breakfast <laughs> Breakfast Club, right? Uh-huh. And they were talking about a really interesting topic. I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to talk to Josh about this. So, you know how, like, everything that's going on. I know, right? Mm. (laughs) No, um, you know, like, everything that's going on right now with Harvey Weinstein and um, uh, Kevin, that guy from House of Cards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All this sexual, yeah, harassment stuff and how he's been raping people and it's basically okay because he's in power and stuff so they were talking about they were uh, interviewing a comedian and they were asking him if he's been in a compromising situation you know since he's in hollywood and stuff all the time and you know he said no because he thinks that he's he's a bigger guy and um he's from chicago so it he, I don't know. He just felt like they can't. They don't think that they can get away with, with it, you know, trying it mm-hmm. with him. But he mm-hmm. did say that he lost his virginity to two women, and they were thirty years old, and he was eleven Whoa. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then Charlemagne also shared that he was eight when he lost his virginity to a older wow. lady as well. And I guess it went on for a while. Like they had a relationship, whatever that was. I mean, it was obviously molestation, wow. but to him, he never looked at it like that. He's like, and the only wow. reason he stopped was because yeah. she had a jerry curl and he didn't like how her hair smelled. So he broke it off. Eight years old. Wow. Yeah. Eight and, years old. Yeah. And like everybody was just kind of talking about like, yeah, every guy, you know, the, we all lose our virginities to older women. It's pretty normal. And I remember how I mean, like one time we were having a discussion with uh, my sister's friends. They were older guys and they were saying yeah. how they all lost their virginities to housemaids. Damn. Yeah. And uh, everybody was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's what happens. You know, they give you a bath and then they, you know, things just happen. And, you know, they, uh, yeah. Uh, and they were just like talking about like it's something that's just normal that happens and it's not a big deal. So, you know, that comedian, they asked him, like, do you think that that scarred you in a way? Because like two women, not even one, two, you know, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. you were 11 years old. And he's, you know, they were asking him, are you open to going to therapy or anything? It's like therapy. What's that? You know, black people don't believe in therapy. Mm-hmm. 
I'm yeah. fine. I turned out okay. And he really didn't because to this day, he has two girlfriends. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and we laugh about it now, but yeah. I think, you know, his initial introduction to what love is and what sex is played a big part. What's that? But at the, at the same time, it's like, geez, it's, it's, it's so much of how, I don't want to just say our culture. It's more of society has made it acceptable or it's something to brag about the fact that you've been with somebody older, the fact that what, and, and that starts at a young age, you know, a guy starts talking to a girl that's older and it's like, Ooh, he's got game. He's got this. At 11 years old though. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's a little bit of a, it's a stretch on that one. That's to me, that's sexual assault, but I don't know. I guess it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know how, I feel like for guys who just have this thing where you're macho man, you know what I mean? Men don't cry. You know, guy, and you start learning that at a young age. Mm. I'm not trying to throw shit at my family or anything. But no, you start learning that at a young age, and then things that happen, you you gotta internalize it or just deal with it and just say, it's okay, I'm a man, I can handle it. You know, instead of just seeking help. Because I feel like that's what ends up being where you have situations like that or people that have other problems. And they don't even want to seek help for it. So it's it's kind of messed up. I don't, it's not kind of messed up. It is messed up. Yeah. Did you lose your virginity to your maid? <laughs> not the maid, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was an individual that was older. <laughs> oh but wow! To me, to me, it was not. It was not sexual assault because. <laughs> oh Lord! Yes, for it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Oh my god. It was god. one of those things. Man, you know what? If you guys want to judge me, judge me. That's the past Josh. Josh has changed. But what happened was was there were services that were offered and I was open to services. You know, kind of like you go to the store, you get airtime. You pay for airtime, you get airtime. It was kind of what happened, yeah. But <laughs> those days are dead and gone. Why why am I I feel judged right I, now? I'm not yeah. judging you. <laughs> Listen, no, you, you got to do adult, what you got to do. You know, was, some people pay for it. Some people. It was, it was all, whatchamacallit, it was glorified. I was kind of disappointed. It was a waste of $40. But anyway, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's, you know. Uh, we're, what are we, <laughs> what are we, can yeah. you warn the people that this episode is obviously okay, so, going to be a little yeah, rated R? So. <laughs> Ah, uh, as you probably figured out by now to our listeners, we have a big disclaimer. So this episode is going to include a lot of sexual assault stories. Well, not a lot, but there's going to be sexual assault stories. And those might not be suitable for some listeners. So please proceed with caution. And uh, so listeners, how do you say it again? Listeners something, advice? Oh, it's something. Yeah, but just... Listeners, just be- discretion, advice. Yeah, there you go. So just listen at your own risk. That's not the right way to say it. But yeah. It is also going to be very educational. So please. It you is, know. yes. Yeah. It's not, let's not look at it as this is going to be a sex talk, but it's also going to be more of sharing stories so that we can find a, a better way to educate everybody around us, our community, our everything. So, yeah. With that but, said... Uh, we do have an exciting guest today. We definitely do. Our guest today is a very good uh, friend of the podcast, family to the podcast. Uh, she's a mother. She's a wife. And she's also the founder of Edja Foundation. So without further ado, have me welcome 
Tabitha Pamira Rahoneza. Don't be killing our name like that. That is not how you pronounce oh, that. My bad. Thank Tabitha, you. But welcome, Tabby. Thank you. Thank you. Tabitha Pamira Kaguri. There you go. Correction. Oops. Helping yeah. Joshua out. Jeez. <laughs> 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 ah, how you been? How you doing? Good. I'm excited. Yeah. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much for making time. I mean, this is like oh, the busiest woman I know, literally. I, I, I want to just throw a little bit of shade towards Judy. What's up? Tabby, I wanted to have you on this show before. And they're like, oh, we don't know. We don't know. And, <laughs> I was the one. I was the and one. And now we're advocated. making up stories. Josh, like, don't be instigating stuff. What is wrong with you? I, that's okay. She had to make sure it was the right timing. Now, now nice. I see why you had to pay for what you paid for. Wow. wow. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> Since we're throwing no. shade. But Tabby, <laughs> before we um go any farther, please tell our listeners who you are in a nutshell. There's so many layers to this woman. So just share, you know, as much as you can. All right. Well, like she said, I don't know where to begin, but... Uh, my number one job, I'm a mother of four. I'm a wife, a sister, a daughter, so family first. In yeah. addition to that, I am also, I think this is a little bit of self-harm, but I'm in school. Um, mm. trying to get my <laughs> doctorate. I still wow. don't know why I did this to myself, but yeah. still hanging in there. Um, uh-huh. And most recently, two years ago, I founded and now direct um, Edge Foundation, like Joshua just said, which mm-hmm. is an organization that helps girls and women and boys who are sexually assaulted mm-hmm. uh, right now in Uganda, but hopefully in East Africa before it's too long. Wow. What does Edge stand for? So EJA, it's E-D-J-A. And when I was trying to figure out what to name this, they, you know, so many names are taken and a lot of them are cliche. And yeah. uh, between my husband and I, we thought, well, why not dedicate it to the two women that represent strength in our lives? And those are mm-hmm. our mothers. Um, mm-hmm. As some listeners might know, our mother passed away in 2010. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to honor her in some way. Her name was Edith. So we took the ED out of her name, and my mother-in-law's name is Janet. And the reason these two women, other than the fact that they're our mothers, anybody who knew my mom, she was one to stand up for anyone, any underdog, Mm -hmm. especially girls and women. She didn't have an education of any college education, really. She didn't have much, but she used everything she had to make sure girls had a chance that she didn't get. Mm -hmm. And Janet, my mother-in-law, also went through uh, domestic abuse of her own um, and managed to raise five kids in poverty. And one of those kids was my husband. So we had to honor the two women that made us who we are. Wow. That's that's beautiful. That's just powerful. I, I, I don't know. This is why in my and I'm not trying to gas you women up, but I truly believe women are some of the strongest people we have on earth because, yeah. We're not going to go in detail why I think that, but yeah, I believe that. You are Half right. the stuff y'all deal with, I couldn't. First of all, I'm going to school. I don't have any kids. I don't have any wife. I don't have any foundation to run, and I feel stressed out. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, your stress is valid, too. 
I feel stressed out. So when you said it, I was like, I'm going to say, yeah, me too. I feel your pain. But I was like, nah, not quite. It's, not the same. it's funny when you're naming all the things you don't have. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to make sure everybody understood. You know, like, yeah, That's hilarious. But okay, so why, why, uh, what inspired you to start that? organization why you know specifically uh, geared towards women that were sexually abused is it something that happened to you personally or do you know somebody that's so close to you that went through that where did that idea come from oh brace yourself this could be a long story but uh (laughs) i'll try to make it short to fit in the 40 minutes um well, really, there are multiple things. So I'm a Rwandan woman. Mm-hmm. Anybody who comes from the continent, really, this is the time we can generalize. We don't talk mm-hmm. about those things. Nobody talks to you about sexual assault or sex, for that matter, for most people. Um, yeah. But for Edja to come up, this was 2015 when I went to visit um, so my husband runs a nonprofit that educates HIV AIDS orphans called Nyaka AIDS Offense Project in Uganda. Mm-hmm. So I was visiting because I am psychologist by training and still in training, but I realized that I didn't have anything about mental health and these kids and everybody has gone through traumatic, you know, uh, experiences, especially around HIV. So I went in just looking for how I can help start getting, giving them therapy or some kind of outlet. Um, and the first day we were there, uh, the second school is called Kutamba. And my husband asked the teachers some of the sources or if they've heard anything about sexual assault in that school. And just nonchalant, this one teacher said, yeah, it actually happens. So-and-so in P2, which is like second grade, was raped yesterday. Oh, my God. Wow. And it was just like, no big deal. I'm going, excuse me, what? And, oh, yeah. So it turns out this nine-year-old walking from fishing water, a 35-year-old man raped mm. her on the way. And went. this girl identified who, she, who he was. And it turns out in Uganda, you have to pay as the victim, as a survivor, you have to pay for the police to arrest the person. So this <laughs> grandmother could not afford it. Oh, my God. And the perpetrator knew she could not afford it. So it turns out he went ahead and offered her a goat and said, I'm sorry I raped your daughter. Here's a goat. It's all good now. So because of poverty, a lot of parents are... They just take it. It's like, well, what what are you going to do? I might as well take some, get something out of this. But wow. not this grandma. So that same day, she heard about our visit. And I got the girl out of class, talked to her, and did a little therapy. Turns out it wasn't even the first time in her little nine-year-old life. And this grandmother was one of the smartest, most innovative women I've ever met. She knew she couldn't afford it. And she got the man, when he came to apologize, said, well, what are you apologizing for? Tell me everything, then I'll forgive you. Mm -hmm. And she recorded him on her tiny little flip phone. So she could have evidence whenever she can get the money together to arrest him. Wow. And so because this was a Nyaka student, uh, Nyaka 
you know, this organization is absolutely incredible. They came together. They hired a social worker. They paid the fees. Got this man arrested. He actually just got 10 years. So that was... Thank you, Jesus. Um, Taking life, honestly. Right? So fast forward. I um, So that's taken care of. It's all good. Then a week later, we hear about this 19-year-old who was raped by her father ever since she was four. Oh, but he's the breadwinner, so mom can't afford to get rid of him. He always comes back. So they want, at one point, they got the girl to go live with the uncle. Um, but because of culture and the father is the head of the family, he called a meeting, said, I need my daughter back. And they returned the girl. Oh and of course it happened again. And she reported. So this girl was not, um, a student of this school. And so the board could not at the moment approve taking on a whole new issue because they do almost everything in this community. And I could not just sit by. Um, so we got this girl. She had attempted suicide twice because it was, I mean, I mean can you imagine? Yeah. So, and boys in the community, everywhere she walked, they would say, well, you give your dad some, won't you give me some? Because wow. it's such a small community. Everybody knows everybody. And the survivor is the one who takes the blame. So that's we, just ridiculous. Like, it, it, and it's it's so they talk about it like it's something that's normal, and he's not being accepted as the guy that just rapes his daughter. No, I mean he's a man. That's what happens, right? Um, and it's not. They don't even sound like it's it's not even raping her. It's just she's giving it up when that's not the case. That's the stigma at, around survivors and why they don't talk. So we put this girl in school in a boarding school. We put this man away. And um, found a way to help the mother survive and the other kids. So then, literally, I kid you not, a week later, we hear about this five-year-old. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, this is a and I'm going, I'm sorry, what? Five-year-old raped by her grandfather, <sighs> who was HIV positive. Oh, my goodness. And the grandmother could not afford $5 because the hospital sometimes will give them the pill. I think they call it PIP. I can't say the full word. But it will stop the virus sometimes. And most of the time it's um, successful. So they could not afford that. And this little girl today is HIV positive from that. And this is $5 that we go to Starbucks right. and West. Yes. And I'm guilty too. So after that one, I'm like, look, God, I don't know what you're doing. I got kids. I'm in school. <laughs> I list off all the things. Like, I don't have time. But as a mother, how do you how do you walk away? How do you look away when this little girl has nothing and now she's going to suffer for the rest of her life? And in that moment, I clearly remember hearing the voice, inner voice, however way you define it. It was just saying, why do you get the luxury to wait when they're hurting now? Mm. And I was like, ah. Oh. And this is, you know, mm. after you prayed about it, like that was God basically speaking to you. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I was going back and forth with him. I can't, I can't. But then also during that same time, um, the thing that kept coming back to me was how hypocritical I was being. Um, so I was working alongside these girls, helping them. Uh, find their strength and face their abusers and do all these things to heal. But I realized in that moment that I had been putting off or putting away my own healing because as an 11 year old in Rwanda, I was also sexually assaulted. 
But I never talked about it because you don't do that. I never dealt with it. And looking at the nine-year-old, everything just came back. It was like, oh, crap. Now I have to look in the mirror. Either acknowledge that I'm a coward. I don't want to face what they're facing or what I'm encouraging them to face. Mm. Or I'm saying that I'm not good enough to find the healing that I'm encouraging them to get. So mm-hmm. right there and then I found I have to do the work in order to help others do the work. Because you can't take people anywhere you've never been before. So that's mm-hmm. the main reason I started this journey. Wow. You said something very powerful that um, victims, a lot of times, like we know, never say, you know, they never talk about it or they'll talk about it like years later. Like a lot of the Cosby um, victims, Mm -hmm. they talked Mm -hmm. about it 30 plus years later. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from a a standpoint of somebody who's never been through that, that's always a question. Why did you wait this long? What's the point now? What is the main reason why a lot of victims wait? Oh, man, that's a loaded question. Um, there's so many different reasons for, for different people. One, actually, this is the one issue that's global in terms of how it's handled. Mm. Um, there's not any other crime where you question the victim or the survivor. Some people don't like the word victim. Mm-hmm where it's on the survivor to prove that they were not in the wrong. All the other crimes, somebody gets mugged. The first question you ask, oh, did you see who the guy was? Where can we find him? Did you do, you know, you find evidence to find this person. But if you pay attention, every other crime we ask about the perpetrator. What did they do? How did they come out? How, you know. All these questions. And the only crime when we ask, what did you do to get it, is when it's about sexual assault. And I think that has a lot to do with the society that's patriarchal from beginning. It's the man's world. And we have come to accept and believe that we really don't even own our own bodies. Mm. And so it's up to the woman to prove that she had nothing to do to deserve to be raped. Wow. And that is so messed up. On so many levels. Yes. You never say, oh, how did your purse look like? That's probably why you got mugged. (laughs) Why you walking around with a red purse, right? (laughs) But first thing you say, how short was your dress? Mm -hmm. How did you talk to him? Mm -hmm. What did you say? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's I mean, a big reason. In a sense, in a sense, and I'm I'm not I'm not trying to I'm just trying to say so anyways. I feel like sometimes that that whole not that it's right, but that whole mentality sometimes is also caused by the few bad sheep that is amongst the group that end up falsely accusing, you know, men. And I'm not saying that that's the majority of what happens, but that's also one of the cases that happens. The reason I'm saying is we had a situation at work where um, a, a girl said that, you know, a guy sexually assaulted her and they proceeded to go through the whole, whatever the, whatever the process was, he ends up getting kicked out. I mean, basically it was fired, for lack of a better way to say it. And it wasn't until the second uh, guy came up again, they, she said the same thing about the second guy. And now they find out that she was lying about him 
and about the first guy, but this person is out and they kind of, they, they, they ask out regardless. You see what I mean? And I feel like those are the few that end up making a bad image for the whole scenario where they start thinking, well, is he innocent? But I don't think that's right either way because you can't say that 2% out of all the cases that something like that happens that you should go ahead and generalize it. I feel like they use that as well as a, a way to, I don't know how to say, it. it's like sexual assault has become a serious issue and then you have those few bad apples and now that are in there and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have a way to now justify that the man is right. When, but I mean, and who are who are the people making those decisions? Men, at the end of the that's day. True. So, yeah, like true. you know, it goes back to what she's saying. It's a man's world. Do yeah. you think it's worse back home than it is here? Hmm. Yes and no. Yes, because back home, that's uh, generalizing on the continental level. I don't know how each individual culture does this, but. I think we can all agree usually that mm -hmm. we do not talk about it, period. Mm -hmm. So one, we attach family honor or shame to this, especially yeah. if it's a family member who has assaulted a child or a woman, you definitely do not talk about it, especially in the court of law. You end up having a family meeting where this man is told, oh, don't do that again. And research shows Almost 99% of perpetrators will do it again. Wow. Even the ones who have been through rehab. Um, that number is used loosely here. I don't have exact number, but most perpetrators will do it again. And actually, research also shows that victims of abuse, end up being especially men, boys, end up being abusers themselves. So mm -hmm. this keeps going. The cycle keeps going. So back home... Um, Usually the older women went through it. So when the young girls come up and say, mom, somebody did this and this to me, they say, you'll be okay. Just, just be quiet. Just, I, you know, through the same thing. Right. Well, I survived. So you, you survive too. Um, mm. then sometimes poverty has a part to play in that. Cause if you get rid of the men who are usually the breadwinners, what, what then? Right. And then the value of a woman. Um, a girl's purpose in the eyes of society is to have babies, have sex, have babies, cook, and do all that stuff. And so some people will literally say, well, it just happened to you a little earlier than it should, so keep it moving. Suck it up, buttercup. Um, I did a training for, actually, these were the other stakeholders in this community. In the town council, this man is supposedly educated. He supposedly makes decisions on people's lives in this community. And he told me, he was just making it an open discussion. And he said, well, women don't know when they want to have sex. It's our job <gasps> to force them or My goodness. help them along. And if they know that they do have a sex drive, God forbid they know. That means they're whores. These were his words. Oh my so they do not want to acknowledge that they want sex because that makes them loose. Um, so we pass and during like that conversation. In what world does that make sense? I'm trying his to. World. Like in that world, in rural Uganda. So because we were there to challenge these 
uh, notions, but also to have an open conversation. So I'm not just preaching to them. Right. I said, so, okay, that's fair. That's how you believe. Let's think about who taught you that. Um, uh, maybe my uncle. Okay. And who taught him that? Oh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's another man. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we're in this open room where everybody's honest. Let's ask how many people, women here, like to be forced. So you don't just hold your uncle's word for it. Right. And he's like, well, I'm I mean, um, uh, this is not what I was uh, like. Exactly. You use that to justify what you've been your doing actions. all along. But you know it's wrong. But so, yes, in that sense that it's worse back home because there is no platform for it. Um, and over here, it's the same issue in a way that, I mean, women across the whole world are treated as second class citizens, especially when it comes to our bodies. It's 2017 and we are still talking about these things. That's you know? so true. Um, so as much as we have resources here, we still do not have, I don't know, it's the voice. Because we are pretty loud about this. <laughs> so I do not know what it is that will finally get the system We're just not to in turn around. Position of power, you think? Yeah. Yes. Where, where it matters. Because, I mean, if you look at all these cases that are going on right now. Yeah. These men are basically using their, their they're abusing their power. Mm-hmm. And um, these women are allowing them to continue to do this because they want that job. They want that lead role. They want to win that Emmy that they've worked hard for. But they know they're not going to do that unless they, you know, basically sell their bodies in a way, you know, for whatever it is that they're wanting to do. Sexual favors. Yeah. And I don't even know if some of them are... Not wanting that position, but because they know they will not be um, validated, they know nobody's going to believe that this rich man wants her. Did that? Yeah. Like he can have anybody. What does that have anything to do with anything? Exactly. Um. So they they stay quiet. They take their views. And I was surprised. I think I'm sure everybody was reading all the Me Too stories that were popping up. That, that hashtag. The hashtag Can you tell me too. Um, the listeners what that hashtag is and where it came from? So that's very interesting, actually. Um, this year, early in April, Aja Foundation had um, an event, a fundraising event. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just this aha moment that that nine-year-old girl, it took that nine-year-old girl for me to say me too. Mm. And me saying that to her, it made all the difference to see that she wasn't alone mm. and that there is this other person that she looked up to in a way, but went through it and she could see that, well, it looks as if I went through it and came out okay. What do you mean looks? You don't think that she <laughs> did? At the time, I don't <laughs> think so because I, I hadn't even dealt with it. I was she not even there. She still sees at the end of the tunnel though. At the end, that, that's, right, right. Right. Yeah. Outwardly, it appears so. But inside, oh, that was a mess. Um, and so then I was here talking to a good friend of mine. Her name is Cece. And she talked about her story mm-hmm. here in Michigan. That sounds just like the story I just told you about that little girl in Uganda. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, if we all could just say me too, imagine the courage and how we would just 
snowball into this supportive effect on every survivor all over the world. So as a fundraising um, strategy, we said, we're going to get people here in Michigan who have, who have those stories and have shared to share the stories. And then we're going to share a little bit about the stories in Uganda and just add that me too aspect and show that the only difference is the girls in Uganda do not have the resources to heal the way we do here in Michigan and raise money for this. So we went with it. We said, okay, it's going to be the power of you too. And different people shared wonderful story, incredible stories of resilience. Um, and we shared the stories in Uganda. We raised some money. And then out of the blue recently, the hashtag me too came up. Oh, wow. So you had no idea about this. Hashtag. I had no idea. And then after the hashtag came out, somebody talked about Tarana, Mrs. Miss Bark, I think is her last name, who started this 10 years ago, but it never took off. Most people never heard about it. I didn't hear about it mm-hmm. until this time. And I said, wow, look at that. That means we all need somebody to speak with us, for us, stand by us. Because we all know sometimes it's not even what you've been through that hurts the most. It's people standing by and not saying anything. And mm. that silence sometimes is worse than the actual event that you experienced. And that Me Too just took off recently. And as a matter of fact, I reached out to her and saying, hey, so we did this Me Too thing before we even heard about you. But now that you started this movement all those years ago, can you come join us for our next event? Really? And she's so sweet. She said, I'm down. So we might have Tarana Bark at our event in April. That's a shout hey. out. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah, so That's the nice. Me Too just seems like a, a message that every survivor, everyone needed to hear. To have that courage. Yeah, and it's almost like, because usually when these cases start, it's one person, and then before you know it, you know, it's like 30 girls. Mm -hmm. They They just need that one person to give them the courage, like, hey, you know. It happened to me too, like you say. Me too. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. There is no better way wow. of saying it. <laughs> it's so you know the stigma around it. When you think, well, then people think, what did I do to deserve it? What did right. I? Yeah, how did I get? And when it comes to women or girls who are in situations where they were compromised, it's even worse. Or in dating relationships, it's like, well, that was my boyfriend. Could it? Could it really be right? Yeah, yeah, it can. And so it just needs one person to say it. And I'm glad you you mentioned that because they, it's almost like there's a gray area when you're dating someone or, you know, you go on a date and it happens to a lot of college girls. They go on a date, you know, yeah, they're feeling that person, but they don't want to have sex with them. And then they end up drinking just a little bit too much. And before you know it, something happens and it's almost like they can't even talk about it because like well it was a date you know and I probably came on to him I don't know I don't remember what can you clear that up for us you know yes somebody that you're dating or even married to can rape you you know the definition of that in those situations can you kind of touch base on that so personally I don't think there's a great area about consent and this is where Thank you. It's yes and no. And this is where we need to do a lot of work with our boys. Because coming up, we all do work with girls. How to protect yourself. How to stay safe. Mm. Walk around with 
whatever. I always have mace on my keys, uh, pepper spray or all kinds of crazy stuff that we sell to girls to keep themselves safe. But what difference, how big of a difference that would make if our boys knew not to rape? Or the other way around, because the only cause of rape is a rapist. Mm. And if we got, we dealt with that first. And so, one, it does not matter. There is no gray area. I don't care if I kissed you. I don't care if we're making out. The minute I said no, it's a wrap. Any move mm-hmm. after that is rape, is assault. So there is no gray area in my world. And my boys will know that. My little kids, I already teach them to ask permission to touch somebody's body because that belongs to them. And nobody has any business touching them either. Mm. Mm-hmm. And as, the more we enforce this as a man and boy's responsibility as much as it is a girl's, this whole thing should be done by, I hope, tomorrow I'm out of a job. <laughs> so we have to start with the boys. That's that's really powerful. That's, that's true, though. That's true, though. I feel like we also need to, and that all comes in with, you know, teaching them how to treat women, teaching, yes. having the sex talk with them, teaching, and and a lot of this is lost when, and it, it's it, it's an unfortunate situation. But when you have a man that you know is not very how do you say, gentleman like with his you know significant other, or a man that's just rotating to women back and forth why he has kids i mean yes it's going to be tough for you to settle down i guess if you want to call it that but there has to be a point where you you shield your kids and show them a certain path because to me for example i don't want my kids going through what i went through whether it be learning how to treat women or i want to be able to teach them all that mm-hmm. you know instead of having my son down the road i'm like oh my god my son raped somebody i'm like well what did i do to make sure he doesn't do that exactly you know and like you said, I agree with you. It's I think it's a part where men have to stop making excuses and kind of step up to the plate and do their part as well. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's it, it in all reality, like you asked the guy, you asked, okay, who taught you that? Your uncle? Who taught your uncle? Maybe his uncle, his dad. It's this whole thing of men just sending down the wrong message, and it only gets worse. If, if you play a game of telephone with a bad message, it's only going to get worse already for, <laughs> by the time it gets to the next person. You know, so, and I completely agree with you. It's all a matter of men standing up and stepping up for once. Amen. Now, I have a question, though. So I was talking to a friend, and um, they, they got sexually assaulted not too long ago. But this case was a little, this is the second time, the third time they got sexually assaulted. Oh, my goodness. But this... Mm-hmm. To them, this time was one of the worst times. And to her, to her, what she said was because she knew the person. The other times, it'd be in a bus, somebody put their hand on them or walking past and somebody smacked their butt because they got tights on or whatever. But in this case, it, it's a lot more traumatic or whatnot because it was somebody they knew. Hmm. And it seems, I don't know, I'm just trying to say, is, is it is it more common? And even the stories you said, is it more common with people, people like people you know, or is this just I don't know. Oh yeah. It's actually evidenced by research. Um, and I don't have the percentages offhand, but you are more likely to be assaulted by somebody you know than a stranger. 
And it's sad or weird that we always teach about stranger danger and we don't mm-hmm. teach our kids, especially culturally. You know, mm-hmm. uncle says, oh, come here. You say no, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. rude. But yeah. if your uncle is a creep, you better run. <laughs> I don't care how rude you I are. I have a few <laughs> uncle <laughs> stories. Yes. <laughs> right? We all have a yeah. lot of those that we take yeah, so you lightly. Go, you go home and they start groping you. Oh, you have grown you have, it, on your chest. And I'm like, Listen, Whoa. I got in trouble with my mom because this freaking creep was saying, you have grown. Come sit next to me. Let me see. You know, oh, wow, you have a nice body. And I ran and refused to come down. And my mom was yelling at me saying I'm rude. Even after I told her the truth, I mean, granted, yes, the whole culture thing is such a mm-hmm. killer, you know? Yeah. And she's like, oh, you're overreacting. You know, imagine <laughs> your daughter is coming to you saying, mom, I'm freaked <laughs> out. This dude was trying to do this. And she's saying her response is, you're overreacting. Like, <sighs> At yeah. the same time, that's what it comes back to, though. It's like you can't really blame him because... That's how they've they've grown up, you know. It's exactly to her. Sit there, yeah. Exactly to to her, it was you know, yeah. It takes takes a change of mindset for people to understand this is not acceptable, okay, or this is acceptable. I don't know, Mm -hmm. and it has to start with us. I actually found those statistics: fifty nine percent of rapes uh, by acquaintances, thirty four percent family members. Only 7% of strangers to a victim. That is crazy. Is That is crazy. Yes. Like the people you would expect to, t- to care for you more than exactly. anybody. Exactly. Are the ones that are going to go around. Okay. I don't know. Exactly. So now, now I, I have, I'm about a devil's advocate real quick. So you mentioned, the, the Judy mentioned something about the, the college girl that goes to a date with a guy, mm-hmm. you know, drinking is involved after that. What what is the difference with oh snap I should have never set my standard that low kind of waking up to or oh my god I got raped because I feel like sometimes <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I'll just be honest I feel like sometimes there is that whole the thing walk of like, shame yeah there's that walk of shame like oh my god I don't believe I this guy never again am I going down this route and being so completely disappointed by that. So you're like, nah, 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 he raped me. And you're like, wait, how is it he did when you were all going all along with, because the, the way I was, maybe you're going to correct me though, I was taught consent, but consent can be both verbal and action-wise. Basically, if, and I'm just, I already gave a disclosure earlier, so I'm going to say, if I start kissing and she pushes away, that's a no. It's just, it, 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 the, the body language is saying no. Mm-hmm. If she's going along with it, and I'm not forcing, and that's fine. That's why I said, how do you tell the difference now between, oh, snap, I was way too drunk. I should have never been down that road. And no, no, no. I know for a fact, my I stood my ground, and this still went against me. Like, how? I don't know. You've been listening to IPU Podcast. I'm Joshua Sandrelli and your girl, Jay Tessie. You can follow IPU Podcast on Instagram. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Rate and review this podcast. Join us next week for part two of this interview. Thanks for listening. Until next time.